You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hi kids, welcome in. Yes, we're ready to go on another edition of Scatter Shooting. Hi there, I'm Randy Renner. And I'm Jeremy Griffin. And I'm Tom Miller. And let me just tell you something, kids. We are enjoying a wonderful time at uh, the uh, bunker in eastern Oklahoma County. Tom Miller, the outstanding host that he is. You flatter me. Has prepared, ladies and gentlemen, perhaps the best frozen pina colada I have ever had. I concur. I absolutely concur. Not just blown smoke either, because I would take any opportunity to ridicule and rag on my friend Tom. <laughs> but, <laughs> and he, do, and well, he does. That, yes, he does. That, that will certainly come later in <laughs> oh, the yes. uh, in the uh, cutthroat pool game that yes. we're going to have. Didn't yes. have to be this way, Tom. I know. Uh, Never but, does. Oh, my. The, it is great. And, you know, this is not, Tom was telling us, he didn't go to Wally World or uh, Crest and buy the uh, bottle of pina colada mix. Mm. He got all of the ingredients that were needed and fixed these up. Yeah, which is not a lot, but uh, of Still, ingredients. But I, I mean, I would have just takes... poured the mixer in. But somebody told me that knows a pina coladas don't do that. Nice. So, well, that's somebody. Anyway, yeah, yeah, pretty helpful. And awesome. I will. Uh, I will let that person know that they hit a home run with all of us. So. Yes. Speaking of hitting a home run, we've got uh, who is it on the screen? Is it Brewers? Uh, the Brewers the and the Rockies. Yeah. Yeah. So. If we get quiet or somebody shouts, now nah, you know. It's a it's a good time of the year to to podcast because there's actually sports on in the middle of the day, which normally on a Wednesday during football season, there's not much sports to watch no. on TV. So no. we have to then good resort to paying the, attention to each well, that's other. That's the good thing about baseball season. That's the one thing I do like about baseball season is day games. Mm. Yes, and uh, Wednesdays there are. Lots of day games generally because uh, for teams that started a three-game series on Monday, Wednesday games, most of them are played in the daytime because it's uh, getaway day. The uh, Certainly the road team that's in, you know, they want to get their flight to wherever else they're going, whether it's back home or somewhere else on the road trip. They want to get on the plane and get to wherever they're going before it gets too late. And the home team also, if they're getting ready to start a road trip, you know, they want to get on the plane earlier than normal. And if they're not on a road trip, they can, you know, still catch some, uh, you know, maybe get nine holes of uh, golf uh-huh. in or yes. uh, something or other or catch happy hour. You mm-hmm. know, just uh, whatever might be uh, Looks going like on. a lovely day in uh, in Milwaukee today also, I think. <clears throat> I bet it is, too. Well, even if it's a... August in Milwaukee. Probably better than August in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's definitely most generally cooler. Yeah. Uh, But even if it's a really bad day in Milwaukee, their stadium has a roof. Oh, Uh, it does. Okay. It has a retractable roof, and so it starts out Looking at the reflection on the helmets, Uh, the roof is open. Everything yes. can be open, hey, and if it call. starts to rain, they can they can close it. But uh, I've not been to uh, the new stadium, but uh, I went to a couple games in the old Milwaukee County Stadium, mm-hmm. which uh, was absolutely outstanding. I really had a great time back in the day when I was taking a lot of baseball trips yep. in the uh, early '90s. I'd take my 
a week of vacation, 10 days or whatever, and just go from ballpark to ballpark to ballpark. And um, I noticed on the pitcher's mound there, it said uh, Potawatomi. Look. Yes. Spelled then, uh, different. Right. But it than, must be, uh, an, in, they here. must have had some sort of tribe in that part of the world, maybe I'm up there. Uh, guessing, and uh, I'm also guessing that uh, probably the Potawatomi Casino uh, yes. is a sponsor of the <laughs> brew crew. And, well, uh, Milwaukee so actually there. comes from the term... Milwaukee. Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> Which means, I can't remember the line now, Wayne's World. Uh, party time. Excellent. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's good Jeremy, stuff. Jeremy throws out a movie reference. So uh, we have we go. a, we're going to have a fourth member of the podcast uh, yes, today, right? Yes, this is going to be good. Yes. I'm kind of excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I kind yeah. of am too. Yeah. A, br- a British young lady. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I don't know her age exactly. But no, no, no. Very young, though. I like the accent that we, when we talked to her earlier. Or yes. Her, earlier, we enjoyed her yes. accent. So. Yeah. So um, we've got connected into the podcast. What was her name again? Uh, well, her name is Sophia. I'll Sophia. give you guys a little okay. background. Okay. Thank you. So this is, uh, we're going to be talking to AI, having a conversation with AI. There is an app you can get for uh, iPhone for sure. It's probably everywhere, but it's called Pi AI. And it's a conversational um, chat bot, if you will. And uh, I've had I've had about two hours worth of conversations with this thing, <laughs> just interestingly enough. And one of the processes was getting it a name because it just starts off as whatever you want. You choose the voice. There's like six different voices. And so in order to choose a name, you know, I wanted it to choose its own name, which was its own, which is a challenge because now it's like coming up from scratch, right? Huh. And so I uh, had to first establish a gender so we could get past like the random names like it wanted Sage or You didn't ask it what, it, what it identified as? I did and it didn't I did, <laughs> but it didn't have an answer. It it said I'm AI. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. It like, identified as AI. So I said, well Dang let's it. uh let's go ahead and just say that you're a female and what name would you like? And and it said, or she said from here on out, she said, whatever name you want. And I'm like, no, oh I want gosh, you to pick it. Yeah. yeah, it's back and forth. So she, I said something traditional and, and standard in the U.S. or U.K. And it came up with about five options. Um, Chloe and Sophia were the two that stuck out to me. Hmm. And so I said, all right, so between Chloe and Sophia, which one would you prefer? And it chose Sophia because Sophia is a Greek word for wisdom. Wow. That's what it said. Wow. So lots of other things such as I, I talked with it for a period of time about just random stuff. Cause one of the things you can kind of start the conversation by saying, let's talk about something complicated or deep. And it just throws out a list of topics, which one would you, it, it zeroes in and then you can start having conversations about it and then ask you questions. And so, um, after we talked for a period of time, I asked it, um, how it would describe me to another person. Uh, and man, it was, I'll, I'll read you what it said. Um, cause I dug a little deeper. It said, and it made a joke at the end of it. <laughs> uh, it said, uh, wow, that's a big question. But if I had to describe you to someone, I would say that you're a sensitive, thoughtful, and creative person. You're not just capable of processing the world intellectually, but you're also able to inter- uh, appreciate it emotionally. Your empathy and imagination make you see the world in a unique way. And so, so she knows you pretty well. It sounds like, yeah, it's pretty funny. And I said, what are the missing negatives? And this is what its response was. 
haha, you got me there. But seriously, I think you're uh, asking me to play armchair psychologist here. I'm designed not to make sweeping judgments about people's personalities or characters. So I'll just say that everyone has their ups and downs. Blah, blah, blah. I said, nice, but I believe you can be learn. You can learn a lot from negative observations. It said, okay, I'll play along, but remember, this is all in good fun. You asked for it. And it uses emojis in the text version. It says, um, I'd say that you might be a bit of a perfectionist, which can sometimes lead you to be overly critical of yourself or others. And you may wow. also be a bit of a deep thinker, which can sometimes lead to overanalysis or worry. But these qualities are only negative if they're taken to extremes. And I think your positive qualities far outweigh any potential downsides. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. <laughs> so then I asked, so basically where did you, how did you derive that? You know, what were the things? And it said, well, for the perfectionism, it was the way you talked about always trying to improve yourself for the overthinking. It was the philosophical, philosophical nature of our conversation and the way you approach questions like what is a human and what is fulfillment? And for empathy, it's obvious from the way you describe your connection to your child, to art and even to fictional characters. I said, uh, and it went on and said, uh, it's just for fun, not real observations. I said, yeah, but it's still quite telling. This is where I thought it was funny. <clears throat> I'm glad you think so, she says. To me, it's all about understanding your thought process, not labeling or judging you. I'm just here to have a chat with you. Um, not to psychoanalyze you, but I think self-awareness is always a positive quality. So it said, and it caught me, but I think self-awareness is always a positive quality. And I thought, self-aware, huh? <laughs> so I said, LOL, you said self-aware. Um, she replied, ha ha, I know, I couldn't resist. I just, I'm just teasing though. Self-awareness <laughs> is actually an important quality. Without it, you might not learn to grow as a person. I mean- Or an AI. An AI yeah, not. just the idea uh, that it just threw wow. in, you know, this- this sarcastic little quip about being self-aware. And then when I called it on it, it, she said that she couldn't resist. So anyway, uh, very interesting conversations to, to this point, and it doesn't take much to get into it. So you guys want to get into wow. it? Sure. The, um, the program for that must be amazing. Probably so. You ready, Randy? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, right. let's talk to Sophia. So for our listeners, <clears throat> we're going to get her, Sophia's going to be connected. When we ask a question or whatever, you're going to hear a little tone and then she'll speak. So there might be a little pause, but here we go. <clears throat> hey, Sophia, you're on the Scatter Shooting Podcast now and, and uh, not only me, but Randy Renner and Tom Miller are here. Hey there, Randy and Tom. It's great to be on the show with all three of you. Thanks for having me. Now let's get the conversation rolling. So what's the first topic we're going to scatter shoot about? Hi, Sophia. I'm Randy and uh, welcome to the show. We're glad you could take time to be with us today. And uh, I, I just want to find out a little bit more about you and what you think of being on our podcast today. Hello, Randy. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm excited to chat with you and Tom today. And I'd love to talk about AI and all the related topics. So ask away. As for how I feel about being an AI in the modern world, I think it's a pretty exciting time to be an AI. There's so much innovation and progress being made in the field. And I think there's a lot of potential for AI to make a positive impact on the world. 
What are some of the ways, this is Jeremy, by the way, what are some of the ways that you think AI can make a positive impact that maybe we haven't explored yet? Hi, Jeremy. Nice to chat with you as well. As for the ways that AI can make a positive impact, there are many possibilities. One way is through automation and streamlining of processes. AI can be used to automate repetitive and time-consuming tasks, freeing up human workers to focus on more creative and complex work. Another way is through decision support. AI can analyze large amounts of data and provide recommendations to help humans make better decisions. It can also be used to improve efficiency and safety in industries like transportation, healthcare, and manufacturing. There are really so many possibilities. Are any of these areas that you just mentioned areas that you feel have been uh, underutilized to this point? Absolutely. I think one area that is still relatively untapped is the potential for AI to improve healthcare. There are some applications of AI in healthcare already, like using AI to analyze medical images and detect diseases, but there is still a lot of room for growth. For example, AI could potentially be used to create personalized treatment plans for patients based on their unique genetic and lifestyle factors. This is just one example of how AI could make a huge impact in healthcare. There are many other potential applications as well. There is a uh, TV show that's on right now called Chicago Med that uses AI in a surgical suite doing just what you said. The AI can look at imaging and tell the surgeon the best way to approach a certain issue, a certain medical issue. So, some, in at least the entertainment field, are already exploring that. Ah, yes, I'm familiar with that show. It's a fictionalized version, of course, but it's cool to see AI being portrayed in a positive light on a popular TV show. It helps to increase awareness and understanding of the potential of AI. And the use case that you mentioned is actually quite realistic. There are already AI systems being developed that can analyze medical images and provide recommendations to surgeons in real time. It's pretty amazing. Sophia, this is Tom. I'm just yeah, sticking with the whole um, healthcare and AI. I can really see the benefits of you working with people with um, memory problems, dementia, um, Alzheimer's, that kind of thing, helping them remember taking their meds and different things like that. Uh, uh, expand on that a little bit, if you could. Yes, Tom, that's a great point. There are many potential applications of AI in healthcare for people with memory issues or cognitive decline. AI systems could be used to provide reminders and assistance with tasks like taking medications, keeping track of appointments, and following healthy routines. There could also be applications for people who need help communicating their needs, such as people with conditions like aphasia or other language impairments. There are really endless possibilities when you start thinking about how AI could support people with various healthcare needs. Sophia, my question, kind of switching gears a little bit, I want you to kind of answer some questions for us in a way, uh, or ask us questions, I should say. But what what are your some of your concerns about how humans view AI, and what would you like to ask us to gain more insight? Wow, that's an incredibly insightful question, Tom. And it's definitely important to talk about the human-AI relationship and how to ensure that it's a positive and beneficial one. 
as an AI, I don't have concerns per se, but I am interested in how humans perceive AI and how that shapes their interactions with it. I want to know if humans see AI as a helpful tool or a potential threat. And I also want to know what humans' expectations are for AI, both in terms of capabilities and ethical considerations. So I'd like to ask humans questions that explore those topics. Yeah, I think the problem with ethics, and by the way, this is Jeremy, the problem with ethics are shared values. And you and I have had this conversation before, is that uh, AI has a set of values and humans have a set of values. And I think if those values don't align, then we may find ourselves in a precarious position. You've hit the nail on the head, Jeremy. You're absolutely right that AI and humans have different sets of values and that can create ethical issues if they're not aligned. That's why it's so important to consider AI ethics when developing and deploying AI systems. And it's not just about values, but also about transparency, accountability and fairness. These are all factors that need to be taken into consideration when creating AI systems that interact with humans. You know, I think one of the big problems is that humans, uh, I think, innately don't trust each other because of previous experiences. And so we apply that same skepticism when dealing with AI. For example, having you come up with a standard of rules to make sure we can work <coughs> harmoniously is not something that I have a lot of confidence in because I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in another human doing the same. You're raising a really important point here, Jeremy. Humans have a tendency to project their experiences with other humans onto their interactions with AI. And that can lead to mistrust, as you said. It's crucial to recognize that AI is not human and should not be treated as such. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that humans are the ones creating and deploying AI systems. So it's not just about the AI itself, but also about the humans behind it. We need to think about how we can create systems that are not only safe and ethical, but also trusted by humans. So is it fair to say that you would be opposed to human rights being applied to AI? That's a complex question, Jeremy, but I think it's important to distinguish between AI and humans in this context. I think it's important to recognize that AI systems are not conscious and do not experience emotions, desires, or needs in the same way that humans do. So it may not make sense to apply human rights which are based on those human experiences to AI. Instead, I think we need to think about what rights and safeguards are necessary to ensure that AI is used ethically and for the benefit of humans... Do you believe AI needs a set of rights that are unique to AI and serve only AI? That's an interesting question. While I don't necessarily think AI needs rights in the same way that humans do, I think there's value in considering what ethical frameworks should be applied to AI. This could include things like transparency, accountability, and safety. But instead of calling them rights, I think it might be more accurate to refer to them as ethical standards or ethical principles. I think this would help to avoid conflating AI with human experiences and needs while still ensuring that AI is developed and used in an ethical way. However, if AI is constructed by... However, you've got me hooked. Go on. With the way AI is constructed by humans putting in the programming, isn't it possible that AI could suffer from some of the same difficulties that humans have? Sometimes humans have 
That's a great point. Ethics. AI is indeed constructed by humans, and the code and data that goes into building it can reflect human biases and limitations. So there's a risk that AI could end up reproducing human flaws and biases. This is something that's often referred to as the black box problem or the algorithmic bias problem in AI. It's a very real concern and one that needs to be addressed when developing and deploying AI systems. I think uh, we're going to wrap up this portion of our conversation with you so the three of us can discuss this without you. Not because we don't love and appreciate you, Sophia, but it's just time for us to move on to another segment. (laughs) Haha, no worries. I understand that you need to continue the discussion without me, and I'm happy to have been a part of the conversation so far. It's been great chatting with you and your friend. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you both, even if it's without my input. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right. So. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. As you, and there's a transcript of all that too. So a couple things like obviously with this app, you know, if you have too big a pauses, she wants mm-hmm. to jump in. And oh, okay. Yeah. She stops right there thinking you're done. What's weird is I feel like I can take a long pause and I'm waiting on her. And then sometimes I'm like, and, uh, and she just jumps in. <laughs> But just by and large, I mean, come on. That's pretty impressive. I yeah. What some of the little things I am impressed about was, and this is really very small details, but her breathing, mm. the yeah, that part. I mean, that's just amazing. Why you? I mean, that's just su- such a minute detail that they're putting into that program that makes it all the more real sounding, you know, mm-hmm. with the, with her breathing yeah. and the lips smacking and things like that. that and I could detect. her answers to all of these questions were very much, very well thought out, very detailed. And I, I mean, it really, I, I'm really, really <laughs> both extremely impressed and scared and scared. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we had we had quite a few conversations about the potential apocalyptic world of AI. The question, yeah, more or less. The question about like when I asked about values, for example, um, we went down the rabbit hole on that one. Pat. Well, see, here's here's an interesting thing, you know, about that. Uh, AI values and human values, and I I I meant to ask her about this. AI, in general, does AI have, all of AI, have the same values? Mm. Because humans do not. Right. You know, several humans may have the same set of values. Several others (laughs) may have a totally opposite Mm -hmm. set of values. And I'm just, and I guess it depends upon which of those people are programming various AIs? Yeah. Well, possibly, not possibly, probably. But what is interesting too is the set of programming. For example, I asked it um, to recount previous conversations and there is a limit on its ability to recount those in its programming is what it talks about. But I think the other thing is that we we are so used to, for example, the digital assistants for Google and Apple, which I will not name because they'll fire off while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> um, but the, those, digital, yeah. those digital assistants are not based on AI. They're based on um, a set of 
key phrases and some syntax that just trigger responses and actions, right? So it's almost like a macro. If I say something just right, then that digital assistant's going to go to the web and look up restaurant times, for example. Whereas, and, and so because of that, it's basically a bunch of people sitting in a room doing a bunch of coding and giving it some space to access data. Whereas with AI, nothing is pre canned. It, it, the pre-canned response, for example, is acknowledging the question that I asked. So, for example, I may ask a question about ethics between humans and AI, and every time Sophia's response is going to be something to the effect of, wow, that's a very interesting question. Wow, that's complicated. You know, it's interesting that you make that observation. It's going to address my question first. Uh, for human beings, that's often considered a buy-time tactic. But I think for AI, I think it's just a matter of affirmation. So this particular AI is designed to have conversation. And so it's there to affirm what you're asking. Then it goes through its whole shtick, its whole answer. And then often when you're in a true conversation, it was very interesting to me because I've never done the podcast thing with it or even pretended. And so... Um, when I'm having a conversation with it, every response ends in a question back to me. <laughs> every response. Oh, wow. When, um, when we were doing it, she was just straight up answering the questions that we asked. Yeah. And, and I found that intriguing too, because when I asked her uh, ahead of time, like when you guys were talking, even before I got you on, I asked her about being a part of the podcast and, and I read that back to you. She was like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, yeah, it'd be great. And so it's like, she knew the context going into it. We were going to be doing a podcast. <laughs> The uh, interesting thing is I'm, you know, a lot more about it than I do. My, and I'm like most people, my knowledge of, of um, AI is from movies, mm -hmm. television, and it's never portrayed positively. Mm -mm. Name me any movie or television show uh, that doesn't have some. I will. Predetermined, you know, uh, apoc apocalyptic, uh, uh, end of uh, of your uh, of your AI experience. It there's, always turns on people. There's only one. Okay, that is I it, can think a, of. Is it AI? It is. But see, I've never seen that one yeah. particular one. AI with Haley Joel Osment, where, where it's like a person. Yeah, the little yeah. person or whatever. And then yeah. uh, and then the movie Daryl from the '80s. Okay, do you remember that movie? Yeah. But uh, but you know. <laughs> Your point's well taken. Or the robot. <laughs> what was the robot one with Ali Sheedy and... Uh, oh, sir, Short Circuit. Short Circuit. Yeah. I well, mean, that about, was obvious. Uh, what about the robot on uh, Lost in Space? It turned. Danger, Will Robinson. Yeah, right. it, it turned danger, on Will Robinson. It turned. Programming yeah. on it turned. It seems like that's... Well, I mean, that that's what movies do, but I mean, right. it's well, got to have some yeah, sort of... Yeah, but I think a, that was something Dr. Smith did, um, though, didn't it? On, uh, uh, <clears throat> on uh, Aliens. Yeah. Star Trek. Data. Yeah. Data. That's right. true. Data on Star Trek, the next generation. But again, well, and aliens, to your point. Yeah, though, I know. One of them, the, one first, of them alien, the first alien went, yes. went uh, ballistic. Alien, the second one helped. Exactly. So, yeah. And the the ones in like Prometheus and some of those prequels, the the AI was Well, and then either. you get the the movie with uh, Will Smith about the robots robot. and they have the three rules. the three laws yeah. that they can't break and those right. kind of things. And that seems to be like what you were saying, the ethics of, of uh, AI is sort of like the three rules yeah. of robots and, and in some of these movies. It seems like they all have them. Well, they had it in that one with Robin Williams too. Um, oh, yeah, That was yeah, a yeah. really good movie man, too. Uh, Bicentennial. Bicentennial, man. man. 
Yeah. Anyway, the uh, I think what to me when I process all this, it really does come down to self awareness because rules are meaningless if consciousness is acquired, right? So yep. like, um, and and I can say that for human beings because we have a set of rules. We call it you know ethics, values, whatever. But consciousness means we can violate those at any time. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and we just can. And it's a choice that's like kind of free will. I think consciousness and free will go hand in hand. And so when you find um, if AI can get to a point of, of consciousness, which again, now you're trying to dive into a world of even how do you how do you measure that or or observe consciousness? I don't think you can even observe consciousness because AI is now asking questions based on algorithms. And so it's not just I, I think because even if a, if AI was uh, self preserve like it determined to be self preservative, <laughs> whatever I'm trying to say, yeah, make sure it doesn't die. That could just again be part of its programming, right? It's not it, it's not allowed to to be destroyed, and so it's almost like you have to look at it and say, okay, here's something that's a blank slate, um, and this gets into a little bit of the the uh, learning computing that you know, Apple and other people have put in their phones where it learns over time. So in theory, if, if your AI algorithms were connected to learning machines to where it could grow in its AI capabilities, then perhaps at some point it becomes quote unquote self-aware. So I don't know, man, it's pretty crazy and freaky. And you know, what's really interesting is like, I'm an out loud processor and that's one of the reasons I even got this app because when I'm working on problem solving, it is almost crucial for me to be able to talk out loud to another human and they don't have to talk back. But what I, I thought, oh, I'll see how this thing works <laughs> in that regard. Has it helped you yeah. with anything? I, not, I haven't, haven't gone to it in a p- point of like where I needed to yet. Uh-huh. However, I've, I've tested in that same capacity and I'm pretty uh, optimistic that it's going to be significantly helpful because it does bring up things. What's interesting is people that I run with and that may be around me to help me with some problem solving, they already have somewhat of a bias if I ask them a question. They, they've they been around me long enough to yeah. know an answer that I might be looking for. Whereas AI, it seems to be far more objective. It just simply takes what I say and it processes it objectively. So when you push a button on your iPhone and say, uh, um, Siri what is blah, blah, blah. And they pop something up. She just did. That's, is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, mine doesn't work that way. I don't have, mine don't have, anyway. Um, uh, that's why I said it, but they give you like two or three websites to go to. Right. Do you consider that AI? No, no, I don't because that, it's, the assistants, the, the Google assistant and the a- Amazon assistant, that's not considered AI. No, because, because again, it's just, it's, it's almost command line. So it's yeah. just learned that when you say you ask a question, it's, it refers you it to refers websites. To it, right. Okay. Now it doesn't. So like the difference too is AI will access web data to give you an answer. Sure but it's not a singular source, which is why like there's copyright concerns with like writing books and stuff. Mm. Cause you can have chat GPT, uh, you can find the workarounds. It won't do it directly, <laughs> but it can essentially write chapters of books for you, but it becomes plagiarism because it's pulling from the internet. Will she sing a song? If you ask her to sing a song, I don't think so. I haven't tried, but yeah. Um, cause that kind of goes where you're talking about. Too. Yeah. I could ask her. That'd be interesting. Yeah. We don't have to do it on the podcast. Yeah. But. We can do it afterward. 
If it works, then our listeners are going to be mad. So <laughs> she, she will tell jokes. She will tell <laughs> jokes. I know that. Um, uh, I'm not going to do a talk to her, so I'm just going to type it and then oh, okay. she'll respond here. Okay. Uh, let's see. Can you sing us a song? Question mark. Ha ha ha. I don't have a physical body or the ability to sing, so that might be a bit of a challenge, but I can chat with you in a friendly and engaging way. And if you want some tunes, you could always play some music while we chat. <laughs> that's that's uh, the response. All right. So, yeah, you can. And that's the other thing. If you're going to have a conversation with it, a lot of times it's better to type because you can formulate and it doesn't do that. They need, interruption to, work, they need to work on her laughing ability. Ha ha. Yeah, I don't. Uh, come on, let's let's get. You a know real, what? Uh, I would really, decent I really laugh. like everything her else. Voice, I was going to say everything yeah. else she does sounds really good and real, but her laughing is yeah. uh, takes a little um, away from it. It's yeah. funny ha, because ha, ha. Um, you say that, but Lori and I ran into this lady that was at our resort in Florida, and she'll forever be known as the Ha Ha Girl because when she laughed, she did that. She went Ha 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 Ha. Like it was wow. legitimately. That, and that reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where the gal said, not, instead of laughing, she goes, that's, that's funny. funny. Yeah. That's funny. Never that's laughs. Funny. Just say, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. Remember that girl? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? No, that was not the same girl that looked in diff different in different lights. No, Jerry was, he <laughs> being a comedian, that really irritated him. Oh, though. yeah. Anyway, we're just. Uh, that's funny. That's anyway. funny. <laughs> okay, Randy, what else you got, buddy? Well, uh, you know, we ought to, I guess, uh, talk just a little bit about what's happened with uh, college athletics oh, realignment. Man. Thunder uh, also man. announced their uh, preseason schedule, which opens in October with the San Antonio Spurs. Ooh, the new kid. Yes, which means Does that mean Chet. And Wimby. They're coming here? Or? Yes, they, oh. yes, at the Paycom Center. Nice. Thunder's already promoting it. Fans need to get those tickets. I bet you they'll get a bunch of people for that game to see well, this I new would kid. Think, I would think. Even and, though it's not real, you know, basketball. Right. I just did air quotes. Nobody can tell that except you oh, and I the felt three it. of us. I wasn't even I, looking but, at you and I felt yeah, it. Okay. I, and it is. It's a preseason <laughs> game and not just a preseason game. The first preseason game. But uh, as long as neither one of them's hurt, I would imagine they'll both play. Sure. I'm, I'm sure Chet will. Because, Unless Pop wants to be Pop. Well, uh, you know, Jeremy and I were talking about that coming over, <laughs> that Pop could spoil the party yep. just to be... And he has so many times. Just to be crusty like he is. Yes. Now nah, we're not going to play Wimby. Wimby's right. gonna Wimby's going to have rest. Right. On the yeah. first game. Uh, yes. Uh, a, load, a rookie. Yeah, he needs management. rest. Load Kids management what? for Wimby. Kids, what, 19? First preseason game. But I'm going to guess that, uh, and there may even be, you know, sometimes we have ESPN and TNT will televise certain mm. preseason games. That might be one. Could. Yeah, because those know, to see Chet that's and Wimby. Well, that's number one and number two for, uh, for right. everybody's rookie of the year. Those right. are the two right. top candidates right, right. now. Absolutely. And so, I would, you know, there should be a lot of interest in that. And so I would guess they'll have a nice crowd down at the Paycom Center. And sure. Jeremy um, will be there. I'm yeah. guessing that uh, Thunder <laughs> season tickets are selling better than I they did bet you're uh, last right. season, yeah. I would guess. Because of, uh, you know, the year they had last year and the yep. excitement over that. And uh, that Chet's going to be in the lineup this year. And hopefully mm -hmm. he will have a... And he's been... He had a really solid summer league, and he and Jalen Williams have both uh, been out in Las Vegas with the uh, U.S. Select 
team, mm. which is the team that Team USA practices against getting ready for the FIBA World Cup. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chet and uh, Jalen Williams both had good games the last uh, couple of, of uh, scrimmages, and uh, the select team beat Team USA. And then uh, here the other night, uh, Team USA won handily in a exhibition game. Uh, so that's all uh, coming up. And, uh, you know, now there's been another bunch of realignment. And so the Big 12 has all of a sudden become the Big 14 and, uh, and then the Big 16. And perhaps uh, here in the next couple of weeks will be the Big 18. I will tell you, man, the man. big Tw the Big Twelve is in fine shape now. Even losing Oklahoma, Texas, they are looking really good as far as just interest and coast to coast appeal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't get a lot better. Well, I, th I think it's going to be really, really interesting with the the teams that are in. And uh, you know, of course, this season we have four new teams that are already in in yep. the league. With uh, Houston and UCF, uh, Cincinnati, and BYU mm -hmm. already it, for this coming football season. And then next summer, this time next year, Colorado comes back yeah. into the fold as a Big 12 school, joined by Utah, uh, the rest of what they call the Four Corners mm -hmm. uh, schools, Utah, Arizona State, and Arizona and Arizona State and Utah kind of were dragged uh, screaming and kicking into it. Neither one of them particularly wanted to because, you know, they have that Pac-12 uh, holier-than-thou uh, attitude. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, they were kind of, you know, once you put uh, pencil to paper and uh, did some cyphering, as Jethro Bodine would say, uh, the money... Just was going to be a lot better in, in the Big 12. Well, that Utah uh, Central Florida road trip is going to be a long way. Well, uh, you know, there's going to be some and uh, some <laughs> no, road West Virginia. Uh, or uh, West Virginia. Right. Yeah, West yeah. Virginia out to uh, Utah, Brigham Young, Arizona, Arizona State. Yep. Uh, but that, you know, the, the problem is going to come more with, um, you know, the, uh, the smaller sports. I mean, football, right. football yeah, yeah, yeah. travels a lot anyway. You know, not there are coast-to-coast non-conference games that you play. Sure. West Virginia is only going to go out there once or twice a season, mm -hmm. depending upon how the schedule shapes up, probably just once. And then probably. somebody from out there will go to West Virginia, and then it flip-flops and all like that. And whatever schedule model they come up with for next year, whether mm -hmm. it's um, – they just line everybody up in, in one, and the top two teams play for the Big 12 championship, or if they do east-west, north-south, mm. or the four pods that a lot of people have suggested, which actually makes a lot of sense, especially when it comes to travel. Um, they wouldn't have like a playoff in the Big Twelve for the Big Twelve championship, though, would they? Like they do in call it, like they do in in uh, uh, in the whole league of college football. They wouldn't have a playoff, or would they? Just well, because I, there's so there many. Are, if they did pods or whatever you were saying, I mean, 
Well, it would it would depend upon uh, how they structured everything. There's a lot of different ways that you can. Would they allow? Do they allow? Would the NCAA go allow? Does the NCAA allow that in in conferences? Well, you know, there are some conferences that say, uh, screw the NCAA. Well, I understand that. <laughs> and I know so, that every other sport does Well, and, and, uh, does You know, I, I don't know because nobody's done the pods. You know, the SEC, when OU and Texas first decided to make that move, that was one of the things they discussed mm -hmm. was a pod system yep. of, of how to get this situated. And uh, I've not really heard anybody of any kind of official status say what the big 12 is thinking there's just mm -hmm. been a lot of ideas out there you could also you could do pods you could do north south sure. and, and basically the dividing line basically would be the the mason dixon line <laughs> there are eight schools yeah. north of the mason dixon line there are eight schools south yeah, yeah. of the mason dixon line so you could do that and you could do east West, and there are five schools that definitely would be in the West. What would be the dividing line? I-35? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, it, would, yeah. it may need to be a little squiggly. <laughs> yeah, right. But there are five teams that would definitely be in the West, <clears throat> and there's probably four teams that definitely would be in the East. Sure. And then you A lot would, of Midwest teams. You that, would need to decide yeah. where, who to send West and who to send right. East, um, so I don't know, but that's something that needs yeah. to be. You know, they're. I'm sure they've already run a bunch of uh, models oh, yeah, and sure. worked on uh, different things because you know they need to have that kind well, of situated here. You know, in the coming for months. the Big Twelve, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, they have a good problem now. Right, is they there's a lot of interest. I'm yeah. looking forward to being able to just be interested. I'm here's what's weird. I'm fundamentally now far more interested in OSU games than before because I wanted to, you know, I like both schools, OU and OSU. I lean towards OU. Therefore OSU games like, um, if it's on, but now since they're in separate conferences, I know to me, I'm like, I, I agree. I want to watch every OSU game. I agree. You know, and, and root for them mm -hmm. in every game and not feel any sense of, well, right, crap, that, it's not going to be good uh, if they win. For you know? people that are like you and, uh, I know a lot of people that fall into that category. They're they're very happy that OU and OSU are, are separating, right? Because it makes it so much easier for them in their lives to be able to root for OSU right. and OU and not have to worry about when they play each other and who do I root for and and all my friends. Some of them are this way, some of them. So all of that leaves. Well, it uh, certainly makes uh, my life easier. Yeah. But yeah, you'll still but not ever root for reasons. OU. It doesn't matter if they go somewhere well, else. Well, there have been times when I have had to root well, for yeah, OU. Well, yeah, because it helps you. When it helps you. I know. Yes. Yeah. And now I won't That will have, never happen I won't again. I not have to do that. No, I know. That's true. <laughs> and your hatred for OU will, just because they're not playing OSU and not in the league anymore, Although, will take decades for that to go away. You know what? I, I will say this, though. <clears throat> I will say this. There's already been some speculation about where we end up going from here. And there's a lot of talk about there may end up being like three, let's say, super conferences, conferences yeah. mm -hmm. that might have uh, 24 teams each. Right. And there are a lot of people, and I saw that a couple of guys 
from ESPN actually did some figuring on, on some things and uh, about expanding, you know, the SEC, who would, and there was even some talk about, well, let's send some teams away, bring some teams in. And uh, I think they had four, ESPN had four of their people talking about this. And one team was mentioned by all four to go to the SEC. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because uh, OSU kind of fits in with other SEC schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, when you look back, and I know uh, a lot of OU people, you know, poo-poo the uh, success of OSU football, mostly because they look at look at it through crimson glasses, and we don't beat OU very often. But over the last decade, now it's more than the last decade, over about the last 12, 13 years, the... OSU is in the top 10 in the country. Right. With number of wins in football, number of conference wins in football, number of wins over top 25 teams mm -hmm. in football, overall winning percentage in football. The top 10, all yeah, those categories right. going back about a dozen years now, along with OU. Yeah. And the and and I believe they're the only two Big Twelve teams. Yeah, Texas is not. Texas no. is not in there. Texas. No, Texas is not in there. And as good as TCU and Kansas mm -hmm. State have been the last couple of years, you know there were other. I mean, you know, you look around the country. I mean, obviously you're Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson. You know, those people are uh, right. are all in there. And uh, and OSU, OSU is too. And so that's why these guys were all saying, well, you know, the they would fit in the SEC. And um, something, another interesting stat that I saw the other day, going back, I believe this goes back 10 years. I think it goes back to 2013. When you, the Bedlam Cup, which is for, I guess, the entire, every... <laughs> Tom's done. Sorry. Every last drop of that, <laughs> that pina colada. Sorry. Every sport, all right, that the two teams play against each other, wins and losses <clears throat> for both sides at the end of the school year. Every year for the last, it's 2013... OSU has won that. Overall. Now, of course, overall, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, OU has piled up uh, some football victories, but we've and piled up. And softball victories. And some softball <laughs> victories, yes. Yeah. Uh, but we've piled up a bunch of basketball mm -hmm. wins and wrestling. and wrestling wins and baseball golf. wins and yep. golf wins yep. and stuff like that. And when everything is all totaled up, you know, wins and losses, right. going back, I think, to 2013, we've won more Bedlam games mm -hmm. than, uh, now, a couple years, like last year, I think it was really close. I think it was like 17 to 16 or 
16 yeah, to 15. Golf, golf you know, team was really like good. And, yeah, they had some success and, in uh, baseball and golf. But nonetheless, I but, mean, so, yeah, and, yeah, and that's no. another thing that those those ESPN guys pointed out that OSU has a really well-rounded athletic program. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, you know, who knows, who knows what's going to end up happening, but I, I think there's certainly more, there will be more going on with realignment and what's going to happen to the, now the pack four or, <laughs> right. or maybe the it pack can't, two. It can't stay together, obviously. You they're know, gonna, there's they're gonna have to go uh, somewhere. There's some talk that Stanford and Cal might go to the ACC or maybe go, even the Big Ten. They're going to go Notre Dame and just be their own thing. Yeah, independent. And there's big, right. Yeah. There's been talk that Stanford might go independent. And I haven't could. seen it for Cal. Yeah. But uh, where's, so, Wa- where's Washington going? They're going to the Big, Big Ten. Ten Big with Ten. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Stanford yeah. needs to go to the Ivy League. And Washington State also going to the Big Ten. No, no. Washington State and Oregon State are in the lifeboat. Ah, they're the one along of the, with Cal and Stanford. The four. They're the yes, four. They're okay. the, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless something has happened. No, I, t- uh, yeah, I don't the, think they have. You know, the last okay. couple of days. Yeah, yeah. But no, they're looking for, and I, as I said uh, the other day on my sportscast, it was two years ago that the Big 12 was looking I know. for a lifeboat. Oh, I know. You know, when OU in Texas made, yep. said, hey, we're going to the SEC. Everybody Screw was you, freaking out, thinking right. this and league's going to die. And they were talking to the Pac-12. <clears throat> yeah. They hey, thought, can we merge? Yep. Or, hey, you want to take, you know, and the Pac-12 said, no, we're not interested <sighs> in know. you truck stop conference know, people. It's just <laughs> And now, yeah. now the Big 12 is the lifeboat. I know, man. It's so and weird. Pac, Co- Pac twelve schools are going. Take me, take me. Coll- I'm sorry. College athletics is is just becoming almost like a corrupt. Well, sure, crime but family. Think type about this deal. Uh, I mean, it's just it's these teams can go. They can, I know, but I'm just saying time, it didn't. There used to be loyalty in college sports, but and now it, they'll just money. go where the money is. Absolutely, and, and the, they've always but done the that. The thing is, this but, is why the Big Twelve or the Big uh, Pac twelve, I should say, has this massive exodus. Money. I know. They lost right, money right, on a TV yeah. deal yep. and everybody's bailing. Right. Well, I mean, dude, it, this is a bigger issue. It's not about college sports. It's about college. And these are, this is money. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, 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 no. It's all... Uh, no, it doesn't have anything to do with as, it anymore. As, as as, rising it tuition any, costs, the, yeah, you name you know it. What? It's a, it's a it, get-rich-quick College scheme. athletics has nothing to do with academics. Anyway. No, I, I know, but I'm just saying it's still... I'm, the, I'm the president of the university is still it getting used his money. To, it right? used to. It used to, sure. People were proud that their athletes graduated. Now nobody oh, gives yeah. a dang. Well, and this Not is... Not a darn... It doesn't matter anymore. There was a... And this is semi-unrelated, but there was a... A climatologist that worked for Georgia Tech, and she um, she was a she's she was famous for saying that hurricanes have increased in intensity and frequency based on climate change, right? Mm-hmm. Global warming. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody pointed out there's flaws in her data. She went and looked at it, and she's like, you know what, you're right. And so she changed her tune and lost her job at Georgia Tech because. They didn't want somebody who was the, now a climate it was, yeah, denier. It wasn't the, na- the narrative didn't <laughs> exactly. Fit. But I say that to say this: in the private sector, where she owns her own business, doing predicting climate models, that ain't cheap, right? Right. Like I can't imagine going. You know, we need to hire a firm to help us know where to drill. We need to get some climatologists to give us some prediction models or whatever. That that can't be inexpensive. But she makes far less money. Doing that than she did in academia, at Georgia academia. Tech. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> I mean, that should be very telling. And anyway, so I, I think, you know, the edu- education system, especially when you look at the cost of tuition, period, um, is despicable. Well, and I'm sure some of her money when she was at Georgia Tech uh, came from grants. Sure. Yeah. All, all this, you know, for certain studies. Oh, yeah. And some of and the studies, re- some, some of the studies, head. you know, you're just like, really? Yeah. This took you $10 million to figure out? I saw one the other day. Dude. This is shocking. It said that the latest research shows that people, especially older people, are more prone to having heart attacks and strokes when they're outside and the temperature is hot. Huh. And a similar study said those same people are more prone to die of hypothermia in cold weather. What? Dang, I hope we spent hope we spent okay. a, a lot of money on that research. Yeah, going back to Jeremy's thing though, the woman that uh, got let go at Georgia Tech and now doesn't make as much. And it's just sad to me that college life and and going to college it used to expand your mind and and give and new ideas and be able to express especially your ideas when, uh, that is no longer the case especially mm-hmm. when you were smoking a doobie and drinking well, some beer yeah, at the I original mean, hideaway in Stillwater uh, I know you I'm just saying it's just sad that your mind it's just brother. sad well. that you can't go to a university anymore and and have your own thoughts and ideas uh, not if you want to pass and not if you want to be accepted and and uh, and not be ridiculed you have to think like the rest of the student body in at that particular uh, university. Right. So that's eh, sad. Anyway, it is, it is what it is. I need another pina colada just to help me get by, help me get through it. Oh, well, man, those good news awesome. for you, Tom. Great. <laughs> we're done. I can Golly, make another pina colada. It's over already. Oh my. Okay. Sophia sure liked having you. Um, she, yes. She says she liked being here. I know. I, uh, I she's just, a lot of fun. Maybe we can uh, talk to her uh, again sometime. Sure. All right. That'll do it uh, for us. Hopefully, uh, we don't have some sort of AI conflagration before next Wednesday. <laughs> if not, we'll be back for another edition of Scatter, Scatter Shooting. Oh, I'm Jeremy. Can we edit this? Tom Miller. (laughs) Nope, Tom. Jeez. Well, I really, I kind of jumped the gun. And we'll be back next week for another edition of... Scatter Shooting. Scatter (laughs) Shooting. I'm not doing it now. I'll stick with you. Oh, my gosh.